everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bully Food Challenge. This is episode 29 and it's called The Voice Inside Your Head. Last week, I promised to talk to you more about the uh, voice inside your head versus the inner knowing um, that will guide you uh, to understand your higher self. The voice inside your head is kind of the opposite of that. So we'll get into that in this episode in more detail. Um, I want to give a big warm welcome to all of you who have been coming out to listen to the podcast and more and more of you each time I put another episode out, which is great to see. I'm glad it's helping you. I know that it is if you're coming back, so that's great to see. My name's Kelly Sorg. I'm your host, and I'm also a middle school teacher who experienced bullying as a child and also has helped, I've helped many students um, over the years overcome it. So I'm happy to help you as well learn the patterns of bullying and how you can um, steer around them and put it behind you. Obviously, I'm not your personal teacher, or at least I'm not most of your personal teachers. So I, um, I ask that you sit with a trusted adult when you listen to these episodes so they can help you personalize the lessons and um, find a way to help it make it work best for you. Um, and if you need help from any other kind of provider, I encourage you to look for someone who can help you on a, any personal level uh, who works in your area. So let's get back to the episode. <clears throat> the voice inside your head is that uh, running inner monologue, or it could be a stream of images. Some people see a stream of images or others hear and see images. Um, but it's, it's this stream of thoughts that runs together and um, it almost takes on a life of its own inside your head. You might even believe that voice is you at this point. Many people do believe that. Um, it's actually just a part of your mental processing uh, in your brain thinks to make sense of things and figure them out and solve problems. That's what your brain is is for in your life and in, in your body is to help you make sense of the world and solve problems. Um, when the thoughts become so automatic that they appear to run beyond your conscious control, they turn into a thought stream that can, that, like I said, can seem alive because they come so close together and they seem beyond your control. So it seems like it's you. And often people hear the voice as their own voice. Some people hear a familiar voice because it's, it's similar every time, or, you know, sometimes they hear voices of people that they know well. Um, the voice inside your head is not you. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's a part of your mental functioning and what makes it clear that it's not you it, and that it's not alive is that it isn't constant the way that you are constantly alive. In other words, your thoughts can stop and the voice can go silent. And then what's left? The listener, right? The one that perceives the voice is left. Even when the voice turns off, even when the thoughts go blank, the listener is still there. The observer, the person who, or the presence that is making, um, uh, meaning out of the voice is, is noticing the voice. That's what's left. That's you. So you are still alive regardless of whether there's a thought 
or there's a word in your head or not. Um, and I'm guessing you probably have a few questions at this point. After I say that the voice inside your head isn't you, a lot of people believe that. Um, and I've, I hope that my explanation has helped you to see that if it's a stream of words in your mind that can stop and start, then it doesn't take on the same kind of uh, aliveness that you, the observer, have. But I am guessing you have some questions, and I bet one of them is, is it really possible to turn off thoughts or at least turn your attention away from them so much that they are beyond your notice? And a lot of people don't think it's possible to turn off their thoughts. So they think that the thoughts are a constant stream of aliveness. Um, the other question that I'm sure you will have as this, as you think more deeply about this is, would I even want to shut off my problem solving voice to more effectively deal with bullies? You'd think the last thing you'd want to do is, is disengage a problem solving voice in your head when you're dealing with a big problem like a bully. Um, my answer, and I, and I believe the correct answer to both of these questions is yes. Uh, yes, you can turn off the voice inside your head and yes, you can slow down or turn off thoughts or, or get to the point where you don't no really notice them, even if they are happening. And yes, it's wise to turn off the problem solving voice, at least part of the day, every day. Um, and in this lesson, I'm going to talk about how and why it's a good idea to quiet your mind and how to do it. Anytime you don't think thoughts on purpose, but you identify them as yourself. So these thoughts are just pouring in through your mind and you think they're you. Those thoughts are actually thinking you. You're not thinking them. They're thinking you. They're, they are um, running on and on, problem solving, or at least that, that's, what, that's what they claim to be doing. Uh, whether or not they have any problems to solve or not, um, and more likely your identification with that voice is what's causing some of your problems. When you, when you live through the thoughts of a problem solving mechanism in your mind, it's going to cast a lens across everything in your life that everything's a problem or most things are a problem. And your mind, when it gets bored, it will look around for problems to solve because that's what its job is. So, um, in this pattern, your mind, if you identify as the voice inside your head or that it's you, uh, your mind is at work on you rather than for you. It's working on you, not for you. And most people have no idea how to make it stop or even that they can. So I'm going to talk about two things today. One is, like I said, how to separate the voice from the listener, how to create some space between the voice, which is the problem solving mechanisms of your mind coming, kind of coming, seeming to come to life as a stream of thoughts that talk, separating and creating some space from the listener who is the one who's always there. That's you. Okay. I'm going to do that. And then I'm also going to talk about why you want to do this, what, how it's going to help you deal with, uh, the problem of the bully. Okay. So I'll first say when it comes to separating the voice from you, the listener, 
I'll first say that sometimes it's in your best interest to listen and then go along with and align the listener to the problem solving voice and kind of make them one listen to the problem solving voice. And the time for that is when you have a distinct problem to solve that you've chosen to work on. So once you identify a problem and you want to work on it, like a math problem, you would engage your mind, the problem solving mechanism, and you would listen to the voice as it goes through uh, solving that problem. And it doesn't have to be a math problem. It could be any kind of problem, but it's that you, the listener, you, the observer have selected a problem that you would like to engage your mind in thinking about. That is when your mind is thinking for you. Um, when your mind is not thinking for you because you've selected uh, to use it like a tool, then it is, it's going to be working on you instead. It, and it, and it often is not working on you in a positive way because it's seeing things as problems that aren't problems. So there are times when alignment with that voice feeds a problem that doesn't exist or reinforces a pattern that isn't serving you, uh, because it's just running a, a, a pattern that's run before it's, it's going through the emotions. It's going through the habits of you, of how you've thought in the past. And, uh, you're not even really noticing it because it's so normal to you. It's kind of like a fish in water. Fish don't notice the water because it's always there. It's always around them. And it's really hard to notice when you have a thought that it could be a thought that's faulty and isn't helping you and isn't even true. But if you hear it all the time through that voice and you think that voice is really you, you're going to be much more likely to believe what it says. Um, even if that, what it's saying isn't true at all. So the key here is to create enough distance between yourself, the listener and the thought stream, the voice. Uh, the, the stream of thoughts most of us have can be near enough to constant that we really see the stream as ourselves and it seems alive. Uh, and the, uh, you know, the analogy I would give you here is, um, if you think about animation, even you might've made one of these, like at school, a uh, little book of pictures that are slightly similar to each other enough to create a scene. So if you go through the, if you flip through the book quickly enough. This is how they make, they made the first animations. Um, it would be one picture and then a similar picture after that, that's slightly different. And the next picture after that is slightly different to the point where you've moved whatever you're drawing, um, around and it looks like it's coming to life, but it's really just a series of fast moving pictures. Um, and the thing is you're going to find, the thing you'll find is you are still, uh, between each thought, you, the listener is still between each thought. Each thought is a distinct little picture, like in the animation and the silent stillness between the thoughts is animated by your awareness just as much as the thoughts are. So you are aware of the thoughts and you are also aware of between the thoughts and you are aware during between the thoughts. So the idea here is that you would get good at noticing the spaces between the thoughts and valuing that and maybe increasing the time between them um, so that you can start to see the mechanism just as if you flipped through the book of the animated pictures more slowly, you would see that each picture is its own distinct picture and it isn't connected to the other picture 
except by speed. It's sort of like an illusion or a trick that makes it look like the animation comes to life, but it's really just a bunch of similar pictures all put together in order quickly. So the reverse here, what you want to do when you get sucked into the thought stream and you animate it with your attention, that's the thing is when you get sucked into a thought stream that you didn't choose, you didn't choose to solve a problem. You kind of perceived a problem that was going on in your thought stream and you got uh, sucked into it because maybe it scared you and you you felt that you needed to animate it with your attention. Um, it's the attention you're putting on it that makes it seem alive. Just like your attention on the little flip book of animated pictures, it's your attention to the to the pictures going by quickly that makes it feel alive, but it's really you, you, the perceiver that's alive. And, um, if, if the pictures or the thoughts come together quickly enough and you put your attention toward that, then you animate it with your attention and it seems alive too. So if you have a true problem to solve, then go ahead and think deeply and animate the thoughts with your consciousness which will help you to come to the conclusion you need to, to solve the problem. But when your automatic thoughts point to a perceived problem, don't just assume that problem is real. It could be just that your thoughts have become kind of negative. It may be because you're, you're a little bit bored. Your mind is a little bored. It doesn't have enough problems to chew on. So it creates a problem to, to go, to work through because that's its process is to work on things as if everything's a problem. Um, it also could be because you are anxious or you're tired or you are, uh, for whatever reason, you're having some automatic negative thoughts and, um, we all have this happen to us. So we have to watch out for that and not just assume any thought that comes into our head especially a thought that's talking about a problem, we, we have to assume that it could be a trick of the mind. It could be because we're tired. It could be because we're anxious or because the mind got bored and just sort of making a problem where there really wasn't one. Or maybe it has a faulty process of thinking. It just keeps thinking the same thing over and over again. And it's a pattern, but it's actually not a, a true pattern uh, or a, a true problem. It, it's not, it, it could be changed up. You could look at it differently and it wouldn't uh, feel so bad. So learning to know the difference between a problem that you identified and then one that your mind created because it needed something to chew on and solve is key. And you don't want to animate thoughts unless you decided to follow them in order to solve a problem you selected to solve. So otherwise relax. You know, if you don't, if you don't have a problem that you actually want to solve or something you want to think about and chew on and create a solution to, you should relax into awareness of what's going on in your environment and what's going on in your body and what's going on around you, um, and what's going on in your mind to realize most of what happens in your life isn't really a problem to solve. It's, it's something to observe and enjoy or observe and appreciate or observe and wonder about. Um, but not always a problem to solve almost, in fact, almost never are the things that you're perceiving, uh, a problem, except that you look through the lens of your problem solving mind, um, and identify that, that thought process as yourself. So it's, it's just finding a way to get a little distance there. Um, and 
observe the thoughts that might find problems as optional focus points. So when your thought comes up and it, it points to something that happened at school that was uh, upsetting and you assume that it meant a negative thing, you can opt to focus on that option. It's optional. You can choose to focus on that, but you can also choose to let it go. Okay. And the way you let the thoughts go is you notice them without judgment. This is the key thing. If you judge your thought after you notice it, then you're basically thinking you're, you're letting the inner, the, the voice inside your head talk about itself. So you get a thought, then you judge the thought. It's the voice that's judging the thought. So it's the, it's just more problem solving. It's more of the, the mechanism of the mind. So you want to notice the thought without any judgment. And then as you just look at them and see them, observe them, perceive them, they will eventually, and probably pretty quickly lift off of your, of your awareness. And then they, another one might come in, or you might have a little, a little bit of space where no thought comes in. And that's when you're going to start to see that there are spaces between all of these, uh, times where you have a thought come to your mind and the more space you can create, the more peace and stillness and, um, choice to focus on, focus your awareness on your body or others or the environment, you'll have, you'll have more options of what you can point your attention to besides the problem solving mind, which is only one of many options in your experience that you can put your attention to. Uh, another thing about judgments, judgments are attached to outcomes and they build up resistance. So if you if you notice a thought and you see it as a, a, you know, some kind of problem or it scares you a little bit because it's not, uh, maybe it points to the fact that something could go wrong. You judge it as, Ooh, if I, if the, if I act this certain way at school, uh, kids are going to say this, it's going to go wrong. It's people are going to make fun of me and you're judging the thought as, Oh, I better, I better, uh, avoid certain patterns or better do certain things because these kids said this, whatever it is. If you are locked up in the problem solving aspect, you might even be, you might even be imagining a problem that isn't there. Um, and if you're judging it harshly, you're going to start resisting, uh, your inner knowing, which we talked about last week. So that kind of deeper understanding of what is the right action for you to take, what is the best outcomes for you to, uh, focus on or, or attempt to achieve. You're not going to be able to get to those outcomes as easily if you're resisting your inner knowing because you're listening too hard to the voice inside your head going on and on about problems that may not even really be that big of a problem. Um, and like I said, judgments are, they are attached to getting a certain outcome. That's why you do judgments. Um, it's, they're there to protect you. And I'll explain a little more about that, but whenever you are attached to a certain outcome and you, you believe that your mind is the only way that you're going to be able to figure out how to get there, uh, that's when you start resisting your inner knowing. 
And what we resist persists. What that, that means if you resist something, it's just going to keep on coming at you. It's going to keep getting more and more worse. And another thing to remember is that if we check something too often a week, if we kind of measure too often, we wreck. So when you check too often, you wreck, you check to wreck. Okay. Yeah. You want to, you want to check in on things from time to time, but you, if the more you check, the more you wreck is sort of the rule of it. And you have to believe that things are going to sort out through time and that they don't always need such a big effort from you. It's okay for you to have an intention to do well at school with a certain group of kids or whatever, and, and believe that things will fall into place with them. You don't have to try so hard, whether it's trying to become friends or trying to get out of a negative situation like a bully. You, you have to kind of put your intention out there take your best effort and then back off because the, your inner knowing will be guiding you much better than, um, your thoughts, your thought stream that is creating problems that might not really, uh, need so much attention. Sometimes time is the best way to go through things and just let it kind of pass through and only act when you've got a deeper sense from your inner knowing that you need to act. And the way that you can kind of think about this is, it is like planting a seed of a, of a thing that will grow. When you plant the seed, you put it in the soil and you, you, you know, take care of it. You water it, you put it in sunlight and you, but the key thing there is that you wait, you can't make it grow with your mind. You can't make it grow with your effort. Sometimes you just need time to let it grow, um, the way it's supposed to. That's how it goes in this, in this physical world is that things take time to sort themselves out or to develop or to grow. So you can have the intention of growing a plant and you can do all the steps, right? But if you sit there and think, 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 think about the plant growing, you're not getting, you're, you're spinning your wheels. You're not getting anywhere. It's, it's going to, um, it's going to grow over time, kind of whether you put the effort in or not. So, so without judgment, without that, without that need to judge, you're going to shine your awareness more brightly on the thoughts. You'll see them for what they are. And so they no longer have the same power over you because you're going to see them. You're not going to, you're not going to let the voice, uh, the, the voice inside your head come in from the back door and start judging the voice inside your head. If it, if it starts talking about itself, that's, you're basically still listening to the voice inside your head. What you want to do is listen to it and just let it talk, let it run and notice it. And once you notice it, those thoughts kind of hang in the air and they don't have that same power over you because you're not animating them with your awareness. They're still there, but they don't affect you in the same way. And still spaces between them feed your awareness with rest and calmness. Your awareness is going to increase in positive energy and you're going to have a fresh perspective from the calmness. When We all know that calmness is, is what... Um, what a bully hates the most because they want you to be all anxious and stressed out and, and reacting to, to them and whatever they throw at you. So whenever you're calm and you have an open perspective and you're aware of what's going on in the situation, uh, you're, you're about to be a pretty fierce competitor against any bully. The more you identify with, uh, 
And as this voice, the more you think it's you, the more you're going to see life as full of problems because you're identifying with and living through a problem solving mechanism. So you're going to see your life as full of problems. Judgment is a problem solving process. We all have to judge things, you know, right from wrong, good and bad, healthy and unhealthy, uh, safe from dangerous. And judgment is good for all of that. Judgment is good for dealing with bullies. I've told you to judge bullies when they're, when they're being, uh, negative and they are, they are doing no good, judge them. But not if the judgment is aimed at yourself unfairly, that's when we have a problem. Or if it's just too often in a loop of the voice, cause it's the voice has gotten into a pattern of a negative judgment. If you are judging, you are problem solving, you are creating a problem. Maybe that's not there. You are resisting that deeper inner knowing that we talked about before. And it might be uh, the inner knowing knows best, but it, you can't hear it because you're too focused on that voice. So instead of judging your thoughts, notice them and let them drift. That's the key. Feel the consciousness that's you moving away from the thoughts and into other parts of your awareness. You can, you can choose anything really. When you start to notice your thought and you notice, okay, that thought was pretty negative or that thought was kind of kind of intimidating me. It's trying to scare me into doing something or thinking something about whatever. Uh, It's trying to make me believe there's a big problem. I'm going to just notice it and let it drift away. And as soon as it starts to drift away, you put your thoughts toward, or you put your focus toward other parts of your awareness, like your hands or feet. Your hands and feet have a lot of nerve endings and you will be able to notice the aliveness in your body really easily in your hands and feet. You can notice the aliveness in your body anywhere, but it's really easy in your hands and feet. Um, and that tingling feeling is, is the life force. It's a life inside of you. And it's, it's just as alive as any, any thought could be. Um, it's, it's much easier to notice the aliveness in you versus use the aliveness to animate another thing like a thought. Um, so another thing that's alive within you is your breathing or even relaxing your muscles. If you tighten your muscles and then relax them and feel that relaxation, that is a great thing to focus on. If you want to focus outside in your environment, pick sounds. Uh, just notice as many sounds as you can for a little bit. Once you put your focus away from the mind stream or the voice inside your head or whatever you want, inner monologue, whatever you want to call it, you put your focus elsewhere on any other part of your experience. You're going to give your mind that break. You're going to give your thoughts that pause, which means that you yourself are going to be able to exist without them in the spaces between. And those spaces are going to get bigger and bigger to the point where you're going to have a lot of space and distance and separation between the thought stream and who you really are, which means you get to choose whether you're going to follow those thought streams because you think they'll be helpful or whether you're going to ignore them because you can tell that they are spinning in a a, a problem that doesn't exist or a pattern that isn't very good for you. Um, even an itchy spot on your skin is actually better to focus on than a looping thought stream that stresses you out as much as your bully. So, and that's, this is the key. This is this, I think you might've just heard me say a thought stream that stresses you out as much as your bully. That's right. You got it. The voice inside your head, as much as it might pretend to interfere and solve your problems, interfere with 
with, you know, bad things to come in and save the day and solve problems. Often it uses fear to hold your attention just like a bully does. And this is, this is kind of weird. It's like an aha moment, which means you must recognize when you're feeding the bully pattern inside your own head, you've got to cut that bully food off too. Okay. If you were feeding into a bullying pattern with another kid at school and they're being mean and you're kind of, you know, reacting or doing something that, that they want you to do, you're feeding the, that bully pattern. But if you are listening to a voice inside your head that is saying everything's a huge problem and, and you're getting all wrapped up in rumination, that is a bullying pattern in and of itself, which brings us to the why you want to slow down or stop the voice each day a little bit. And whenever you notice it getting louder, meaner, or more aggressive, you want to pause and go, wow, these thoughts, let me, let me take a look at these thoughts. Remember no judgment, but listen to them. It's easier to understand why a person would believe the voice in their head is, uh, them and they, they identify it because it does sound like themselves or someone familiar. And what it says is right sometimes, but it's wrong sometimes. It's wrong a lot of the time, just like the things you say out loud to other people. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. We aren't what we say or do or think. That's not who we are. That's just part of our experience. Those are parts of our experience, but our, our experience can be uh, there with or without thinking things or saying things or doing things. We are there regardless of what's being said, thought, or done. And it might all be a whole lot different and better without as much time spent in problem solving mode. In fact, I'm, I can speak from experience that the less I spend time in problem solving mode, the happier I am. And I hope you find the same for yourself when you, um, start to practice creating this distance. What goes on inside you is reflected in your reality and change what's going on inside and the outside by spending more time, more focus without judgment. You're going to, if you change, if you stop judging from the inside, you're going to see it reflected on the outside. And it's really just a, a matter of deciding to limit how often you sit in uh, the perspective of the problem solving mode or the judging mode. And remember that judging is just the voice talking about itself. Okay. So when you are thinking, when you are trying to notice your thoughts and then you hear a judgment, that is just the voice talking about the voice. And it's kind of tricking you into paying attention again, uh, to it. So just simply notice the thoughts and they will fade away as you notice them without judgment, you just look at them, just notice that they're there, notice what they're saying. They will fade away, which leaves you to rest and rejuvenate and move your attention to other parts of your experience. So many other beautiful parts of your life. It could be inside your own body. It could be in the environment. It could be your thoughts. You could, you could enjoy just looking at your thoughts and analyzing them without judgment, whatever it is. But if you are living through them, that's when you have, uh, a lot of stress because you're living through a problem solving mechanism. Um, you want to watch your awareness grow stronger through this and keep track of it. Your senses are going to get sharper and your, as your whole body starts to align with consciousness that used to be hijacked by, by those spinning thoughts. Now that is going to be freed up and think about how much energy you're going to have because you're not sinking so much energy into 
a computer that is running overtime. Uh, you know, your mind is like a computer. It's, it's a problem solver. It's running overtime. If you are animating it with your consciousness, if you back up and just let your consciousness notice other things and not with the judgment of your mind, uh, always running alongside it to make problems out of it, make sense out of it. You just sit there and notice it. Uh, you're going to find yourself becoming much more calm and peaceful. And if you do this at, you know, daily to make it, uh, your new automatic setting, you're going to, the more practice you do, the more it's not, you know, you don't even have to think about doing it. It'll just start happening. You're going to start noticing, uh, that you catch yourself in getting caught up in a thought stream and that you just start, then you just go, I'm just going to look at these thoughts. Oh, look, they just lifted away. Oh, I'm now focusing on something else that is part of my experience that is maybe more soothing or interesting or fun or calming. Um, and imagine how unstoppable you'll be after you've kicked the habit of listening to your own voice inside your head, especially when it starts to act like a bully. If you can get rid of that primary bully, the one that's sitting inside your own mind, if you can get rid of that one, every other bully after that is going to be much easier to deal with. Okay. So practice it, have a great week, have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. 